Praise God. We're going to be talking about the church family. You know, Satan really hates the natural family, and he hates the church family. And uh, Paul made a lot of connection with the natural and the spiritual. He talked about the natural body as far as being part uh, or being like the church family. The family of God is a lot like the, the natural body. So if, uh, if you come from big families, I come from a family of six kids. Uh, there are six of us. I'm the baby of six. Uh, I've got a brother that's 81 years old. And I've got a sister who is older than him who's in heaven today. Both my parents and my oldest sister is in heaven today. The great thing is all six of us are going to be in heaven one day. All six are born again, and so that's a testimony of our family. But, you know, when you have a family this big, I mean, you've got, uh, uh, they've all six of us have uh, kids, and they have kids, and they even have kids. I was an uncle when I, the day that I was born, I was an uncle. My sister uh, had two children before I was even born. My oldest sister had two children. Matter of fact, her second child, um, my mother and my sister were pregnant at the same time. So the father uh, of the bride, uh, they got that idea from my family because um, my sister uh, had her son two months before I was born. So uh, we grew up more like brothers instead of, uh, you know, I was Uncle Mike. I was never Uncle Mike to him. We were too close like brothers. But the point that I'm making is when you have a big family like that, you don't even know all of the cousins. There's so many of them that uh, how many know there's differences of opinion about many things when it comes to the natural family, differences of uh, <coughs> differences of how you believe politically. I mean, in a family our size, we have Republicans, we have Democrats, we have independents, we have no nothings. They, they, they could care less. And uh, you have differences of opinion about uh, even when it comes to what you believe as far as the Bible is concerned as well. Uh, there's some people in our family that may not believe that God wants you well, that God may not want you prosperous. They may not believe, all of us believe uh, that there's only one way to heaven, and that's through Jesus. That is the number one thing. Amen. But my point I'm trying to make here is that there's all kinds of differences of opinion, but we're still family. We're still family. You get into the, your natural family by birth. I, I may want to be a, a Gates or a Rockefeller, but I'm a Davis. I was born into it. I was born into this family. Likewise, the spiritual family, you are born into it. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. You're born into this family spiritually just like you are naturally. And just like a natural family, you're in that family. You got born into it not by performance. And you stayed in that family not by performance. Let that sink in. You know, if my children, if I wanted them to do something and they don't do it, well, they're not out of the family. You don't get kicked out of the family because, you know, 
I told you to make up your bed for and for seven days you haven't made it made it up, so you're no longer a Davis. Well, of course not. It's not you're not in the family because of performance. Likewise, you're not in the family spiritually because of your performance. It's by the performance of Jesus, not you. So what am I trying to say? This is what I'm trying to say. It, if you, how many know there's people that are Republicans, that are Democrats, and they're independents, and there's, they could care less? All of those groups, they're going to be in heaven, and it's not based upon their political belief. It's based upon their spiritual belief in Jesus. We just need to hear that because so many times... We can get so strong in our political belief system. Uh, when we were first married, we've been married about 30 years now, and so our first year of marriage, we went back to Tennessee to see my dad, who lived in, outside of Knoxville, Tennessee. And so we went back, and uh, every time I would come to my dad's house, we would get an argument about politics. And the very last argument that we had, I'll never forget, he stood up and I stood up and we got about three inches from each other's face. My vein popped out, his vein, my face turned red. He's not red like me, but he didn't turn red, but I was turning red and, and I was yelling and he was yelling and we were just getting after it. There was so much strife and division. It was horrible. It was horrible. And uh, so my lovely wife, she stood up, forced her way in between us, literally had to force her way in between us and says, all right, we're making a family rule. From this day forward, we will never, ever talk about politics again. I looked at her and I looked at him. I said, okay. He said, okay. We never argued about politics again, ever. And there was so much peace when we would visit. And if some other relative would bring it up, we would change the subject. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. So, how about that cool weather we're getting? <laughs> it's getting cold in here. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> you know, when it comes to family, you need to see things like that and observe things like that and not talk about things like that. If you have disagreements, there are people in this church are Republican, Democrat, Independent, and know-nothings. It doesn't matter to me. Do I believe you should vote? Absolutely. I'm not saying that we shouldn't be... Uh, you should vote. Everybody should vote. But what I am saying, I am not going to put all of my trust in a politician for my future or even my present. Amen? I don't care what party, because if, I, if the wrong person that gets in office that I don't want and then I just put all of my trust in them, I tell you what, I, I don't care who's in office, I'm going to be victorious and prosperous and have victory in my life coming and going because of Jesus, not because of some politician. Okay, as a church family, 
there's going to be different beliefs as far as in the spiritual realm, as far as this is a big one, you know, how God is going to wrap this all up. You know, whether or not you believe in the rapture, whether or not you believe in pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, or no-trib. Or just trib, 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 trib. I don't know. I know what I believe, but if you disagree with me, that's okay. Again, the number one thing we have to agree upon is, do you believe in Jesus? Because if you believe in somebody besides Jesus, now we got a problem. But if you believe in Jesus is the truth and the way and the life, then we're on the same page. Hallelujah. Family. Family. I I know this as well. About four or five years ago, the Lord just shook me up as far as my belief system. If you've been coming here for any length of time, I say this quite often. The number one quality and characteristic a, a Christian can have, or any person can have, is what? To be teachable. To be teachable. People say, well, I think the greatest thing is to have faith. Well, if you're not teachable, you're only going to learn so much about faith. You're only going to learn so much about love. You're only going to learn so much about whatever. And about four or five years ago, uh, like our communion that we partook of earlier, if six, seven years ago, if I would have heard this communion done today, six years ago, I would have said, well, that's just false. That is wrong. I would have been angry and just said, whoever preaches like that is just, that's just wrong. Doctrine is just wrong. And here I am preaching and teaching that today. And I'm doing that because of being teachable. How many know you can be taught the wrong thing? I was taught many things that were wrong. Maybe you weren't, but I was. And I'm not saying that to be negative. They taught me only what they knew. You can only teach what you know. And if you don't know it, you can't teach it. Well, that was the way I was five, six, seven years ago. I, couldn't, I didn't know about grace. I didn't know about the love of God like I do today. You go, what? Yeah. Yeah, I was a pastor, by the way, five or six years ago for, for those who didn't know that. I was. But I didn't know about the love of God like I do today. I didn't know about the grace of God like I do today. Back then, it was basically my relationship with with Jesus and with my Father God was how much I could work, how much I could pray, and how much I could know the Word. And all of my relationship with God was more about what I did instead of what He had done. You know what that's called? Religion. Religion is man's way of doing to get to God. That's why it's a bad thing. I can't do anything to get to God. I couldn't live right. And even if I could live right, I still wouldn't be able to get to God. It is 100% based upon Jesus and what he's done. That's where the major difference came four or five years ago. That's called grace. God says, you can't do this, Mike. 
And I said, yes, I can. I'll just do it harder. Mike, you can't do this. Yes, I can. I'll just work harder. And then I felt miserable because I never could do it. And so I would get mad at myself. I would get mean toward myself. And can I just give you a clue? When you get mad and mean at yourself, you live that out through yourself to other people. So if you're just really mean, (laughs) it's probably because you're mean to yourself. And part of it, maybe, is because you don't feel like you can measure up to God. You can't measure up to God. That's why you need to receive Jesus. And if you've received Jesus... You need to understand that you can't live up to God, and that's why you needed a Savior. If you accepted your Savior, you're good. You're good. 1 Corinthians 4.14 says this, I'm not writing this to embarrass you or to shame you, but to correct you as the children I love. For although you could love or have countless babysitters in Christ telling you what you're doing wrong, you don't have many fathers who correct you in love. But I'm a true father to you, for I became your father when I gave you the gospel and brought you into union with Jesus, the anointed one. So I encourage you, my children, to follow the example that I live before you. My point is this. I'm kind of like the father to the church. I'm not the father. I'm like a father, a shepherd, when it comes to the family of God, to the church. But this is what I want to make sure that you understand. He said, follow me as I follow Christ. I'm saying that to you. You follow me only as I follow Christ. And if there's something that comes from this pulpit that you just, I don't understand, then, honey, you better go home and you search and you study for yourself to see. Don't just swallow it. Are you thinking? Are you just shocked or are you just thinking if the Broncos are getting smeared. I don't know why, but anyway. (laughs) I'd rather be at church. I'm just saying. But anyway, my point is this. When it comes to, to hearing the truth, you need to be aware that, yeah, I'm called by God. I'm anointed by God, but I am just a man. And every preacher that you've ever heard of is a man called by God. But when it comes to a church family, we grow together. We make mistakes together. We do. The church, uh, as a pastor, I have made some mistakes. Just like in every large family, there's a fence that can be taken place. If you're in a family of more than one sibling, you've probably been offended in your family. If you're an only child, you've probably been offended by your parents. So, you know, if you are part of a family, you've been, or at least had ample opportunities, let's just put it that way, to get offended. Am I talking to the right group? Okay. I mean, I've been offended in my, my natural family. I've been offended in my church family. And I have offended people in the church family. I remember, I I just can't explain to you why, except that I'm just human. But uh, I remember going to this one particular person, and I said good morning to them. And there was somebody sitting next to, 
to this person and I didn't speak to them. That didn't just happen once. That happened so many times to this one particular family that I can't remember. And I look back at that and I go, I don't know why I did that. I mean, it wasn't like I didn't dislike them. I loved them. I loved them. I loved them. I can honestly say before you that I loved them. But it just, I just didn't say anything to them. Well, they got offended and left. And I can understand that. I can. But this is what I'm telling you. Stuff like that could happen. Probably will happen. I don't have two angels that dress me every morning. I've got one, my wife, she dressed me. But I mean, I don't have angels. I, there's nothing supernatural when it comes. Listen to me. There's nothing supernatural when it comes to just fellowshipping with one another. There's nothing supernatural on my part. I don't have a special anointing to make sure I know everybody's name and I'm kind and do perfect before everybody. It just does not happen. If you are looking for a perfect pastor, I'm sorry to tell you, this is not the church for you. And I'm not saying that to, to make excuses. I'm just saying this because it's time that the church wake up and say, hey, we're family here. This isn't a commodity that you come and purchase and if you don't like it, well, so what? I mean, it's no big deal. No, when it comes to family, please consider this as your pastor as, first of all, I'm your pastor, yes, but secondly, I'm a man who makes mistakes, who can get upset over stupid stuff, who can be offensive at times and insert mouth or foot into mouth. But this is the thing, though. This is the thing. If we stick together and live together, we'll grow together, and there's going to be something that comes of this that will bear much fruit. Hallelujah. Ephesians 4.14 that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things unto him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. It says this, that we are knit together. When you become part of a church family, your heart and my heart gets connected. And it's, we understand the connection more and more as you come more and more. And, but I'll say this. You know, people sometimes, when I was growing up in church, if you didn't go to church, uh, well, you sinned. I'm not going to church. We went to the, you know, in Kentucky, we, went, we don't call it the mountains. We may go to the lake. There's lots of lakes. Well, we went to the lake. So everybody goes, oh, you sinner, you. You didn't go to church. You, you could have drowned. You could have drowned. And you, I'm not kidding. People talk like that. Oh, I'm thankful you didn't drown. Glad your boat didn't sink. Really? Yeah, because you didn't go to church. I mean, no, that is not, that's just wrong. Do you know that's wrong? I said, do you know that's wrong to be thinking like that? <laughs> but that's the way we thought. 
And so my point is this, if you go to the mountains or you want to go on vacation, don't feel guilty or condemned. I'm not going to say, so where were you? Uh-huh. Really? Did you have fun? Probably didn't have any fun, did you? Are you serious? I am not like that. Listen, for the last four or five years, I have been working on getting religion out of me and unlearning things that I was raised in. And it's, I feel like it's part of my duty to help you do the same. Because I'm sure many of you, probably most of you, maybe all of you, have got religion inside of you that you need out and free from. (laughs) It's not about Mike. It's about Jesus. And the quicker we get a hold of that, the quicker you'll live in freedom. Now, having said that, am I saying, hey, just come to church every once in a while? No. This scripture says that when in verse 16, that every joint supplies. When you do come, You may feel like you don't have anything to offer. You don't understand the body because it says every joint brings a supply. So whether you know it or not, you're bringing something to the family of God. Every time you show up, you're bringing something. What is it? It's the supply. You don't just get to the back door and go, okay, I'm leaving it here, my supply here, and then I'm going in. No, you bring it. And that supply benefits the whole body. I don't, I can't totally explain it, but it's just like your body. Every part of my body is bringing a supply and causing my body to be stronger. It causes me to function better. It just brings good stuff. I don't know what all of my organs do. Oh, yeah, I know the heart pumps or whatever, but do you know the, the amount of iron, the amount of uh, this um, vitamin it brings or whatever? I, no, I don't. I'm just thankful that it all works. I don't understand it all. It's the same way the family of God. It's just like the natural body. You're bringing something. You're bringing something. You're bringing something. You're bringing something. Everybody's bringing something. So I know last month we talked about service. And, you know, and I know there's some people that thought, you know, like, I just felt guilty. I just felt condemned. I mean, I'm not doing anything. So, you know, I'm going to just tell you right up front. Then you got the wrong interpretation. You got the wrong interpretation. I don't want anybody doing something they don't want to do. What kind of father, what kind of pastor would want that to happen in your family? Of course you don't. God always provides people to do stuff in this church. I'm so thankful. You you don't know this, but you ought to be thankful that I'm not leading worship. (laughs) When we first started the church at Holiday Inn, it was me, Melody, and Danielle was about that tall. All three of us were on the stage. And I was singing. And we're still existing today. That's a miracle in itself right there. I mean... I mean, I could be in the shower and singing, and Melody comes, goes to the bathroom, and she goes, Mike, I'm in here. That's her cue of saying, you, you, tone it down a little bit. Just tone it down. I, I want to 
be at peace and rest. But anyway, my point is this. You, we, we do need people doing things, but I would never want people doing things because they hate doing it. Hallelujah. But having said that, you are bringing the supply. Do I want you in church? Yes. Do I want you to go on vacation? Yes. Do I want you to go travel and do things? Yes. Go visit your family? Yes. When you're in town? Yeah. Do I want you to church? Yeah. Well, what if I'm just really, really tired? I understand. There's a part of me that says, if you're really tired, I understand that. If you don't feel well, you're just kind of tired, or maybe you're a little lonely, depressed, or whatever. But this is what I'm going to tell you. If you're feeling like that, this is the best place you could be. Because I can guarantee you, you come, you won't leave like you can. You won't. I said you won't. But about, I didn't finish my thought, about four or five years ago, when the Lord started dealing with me about the grace message, about the love of the Father, because I was like, I have to love God more. I don't love God enough. I am so, I've got to love more. I've got to, I've got, I'm not, and it just seemed like my testimony is actually kind of like Galatians chapter two, verse 19. It says this. Paul said, what actually took place is this. I tried keeping rules and working my head off to please God, and it didn't work. Can anybody testify with that? I was a pastor. Well, I still am a pastor. But I was a pastor, and I'm thinking, I'm trying to keep the rules. I'm working my head off to please God, and it just, it just, it's not working. He goes on to say, so I quit being a lawman. So that I could be God's man. Woo! That's me. I quit being a rule keeper, law, man, dot every I, cross every T. I said, forget it. I'm just going to be a man after Jesus. A man connected to Jesus who I know is my savior. He said, Christ's life showed me how and enabled me to do it. I identified myself completely with him. Indeed, I have been crucified with Christ. My ego is no longer central. It is no longer important that I appear righteous before you or have a good opinion and am no longer driven to impress God. Woo, that's such a free right there. I don't have to impress you. I don't have to impress God. I don't have to impress my wife. I don't have to impress my friends. I'm not an impressor. Jesus impresses me. That's who impresses me, not Mike. It's not my duty to make sure that, oh, I got to make sure I do everything right. You know, I want to be right before the church, everything. Yeah, I do. I don't do that. That's not my motive and my goal. My goal is to let Christ live through me. Do I do that perfect all the time? Nada. No. But I do it more today knowing what he has done for me by grace. It's amazing. You know, just like when you see a sign, it says wet paint. Everybody and their brother just wants to go. (laughs) Yep, it was wet. If there's just something in us that says don't do it, you want to do it. Isn't it amazing? It's the same way spiritually speaking. I can do anything I want today. 
I'm just saying if anybody passes out, I can do anything I want to today. Anything. I can do it. But what I found out is when I know how much he loves me, that kind of want to leaves. You may not understand that, but when I understand how much God loves me and that he just opened up Mike Davis and he just overflowed me with the love and the grace of God, it just overflowed out of me. A lot of the old want-tos left. It just left. He sits there and he goes, where do we leave off of this? He says, the life you see me living is not mine, but is lived by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I'm not going to go back on that. It is not clear to you that to go back to the old rule-keeping, peer-pleasing religion would be in an abandonment of everything personal and free in my relationship with God. I refuse to do that, to repudiate, which means to reject. I'm not going to reject what? What aren't you going to reject? God's grace. If a living relationship with God could come by rule keeping, then Christ died unnecessarily. Listen, if it was all about keeping the rules, then why did Jesus come? That's what he's saying. Jesus came because we couldn't keep the rules. And yet the church is still trying to keep the rules. And we can't keep the rules, so we get mad at ourselves. We had quit church. Most people quit in church or don't want to go to church today is because they can't keep the rules. We can't keep the rules. All right? As a family, don't just be looking at people saying, well, and don't be looking at this, me, and just say, man, Pastor, he just looked. I remember a couple weeks ago, man, I had a week and a half. I had about two weeks in one week. And I came to church, and I was... I was just beat. I didn't have to speak that morning, so I'm thankful for that. But I was just beat. Somebody, two or three people came to me and said, man, you just look tired. I go, I am. It's amazing that pastors can get tired. I'm just saying, as a family, I'm not trying to make excuses, but I want to be real before you. There's going to be opportunity for you to get offended in this church. Maybe you got offended over this message. <laughs> it wouldn't be the first time. People, I will say this. I feel so set free, and people have been saying they've been set free because of the, of the difference of the, of, the, of the gospel I've been preaching the last four or five years. There's been other people that have left. And that's okay. It's okay. It's not okay, but it... I, I mean, it's life. It's pastoring. But I know one thing. I will not change the way that I preach based upon who stays and who goes. If I know what God put inside of me, that is what I'm going to preach and teach. I just know that the grace of God has revolutionized my life to the degree that I felt like I got reborn four or five years ago. I've been saved since I was seven. I truly believe that I've discovered that, wow, it really is about Jesus and not me. It really is about him.
So if you come to this church, can our leadership offend you, maybe not do everything right? Yeah, including this guy and any of our other leaders. But I will say this, from me down to all of our leaders, we will love you and do our best to cause you to grow, to cause you to look to Jesus, to cause you to be part of something big. Our vision, our vision. I know you're, you're familiar with a new building, a university, and a youth center. But the number one thing is to change the way people think about God. That is the number one thing on my list. Why? Because in the last four years, I have changed the way that I think about Him. That He's always for me. When I sin, when I mess up, when I offend, when I get offended, every, all of the above, He's always for me. He's always holding me. He never leaves me nor forsakes me. I knew that, but I didn't know it. <laughs> I'm telling you. There's been people, especially visitors for whatever reason. If you're visiting today, don't get offended. But there have been visitors who, who hear me preach and then try to change what I preach at the door. And I'm just thinking, seriously? First time here, you, you're going to... And, and it's just been happening a lot this summer. And I'm just scratching my head. I just thought, first of all, my mom raised me not to be so rude. If I'm a guest in somebody's house, I'm not going to say, you know, I really don't like the couch the way it's sitting here like this. Let's just move this thing. Man, I, who does that? But it's amazing that you can go to church and you say, I want to change everything in here that you believe because you just believe in wrong. Well, then you probably should go to another church. It's kind of like getting on an aircraft. This happened years ago before the electronic age, you know. I was on an aircraft and was going to Dallas, and the pilot came on and says, we want to welcome you to flight 283 uh, to Dallas. And as soon as he said that, the guy that's sitting on the very back row says, hey, I'm not supposed to be going to Dallas. And the, and the stewardess said, if you stay on the plane, you are. <laughs> so he rushed out before they closed the door. My point is this. Our church is going in a certain direction, and that is the destination. So just know that. You know, the fall blast, that's part of our destination. The vision is part of our destination. The grace message is part of our destination. Changing the way people think about God is part of our destination. If that's not the destination or the aircraft you want to be on, mm, I'm trying to be real and loving. I know this. I feel like we have one of the greatest churches. But having said that, our church, we believe in certain things. But let me just make sure we're all on the same page. Let's just say a church who just believes in salvation. They don't believe that God wants you well or healed, that God doesn't want to meet your needs. They don't believe that. But they're getting people saved. Thank God for them. They are, we're not better than them because, well, we believe in healing and they don't. No, they're getting people saved. Maybe we're not doing such a great job in that. Maybe they believe in healing, but they don't believe that God wants to meet all of your needs. That's fine. Let's just get off this um, judgment Russian roulette that the church has been on for decades and hundreds of years. Jesus said this, and the disciples, they said, uh, Father, they're, they're casting out demons, you know, but they're not following us. Jesus said, 
Leave them alone. They're part of us. So that's my advice to you. There's going to be churches that don't um, agree with everything that we're believing. But if they're getting people saved, we're all family. Hallelujah. We're just down on the same aircraft. We're going to get to heaven. We're going to get to the same destination. But as far as on this earth, we're doing different destinations. That's why there's so many different churches. Thank the Lord. But I'm telling you, as this church is your pastor and the acting father, I'm doing my best to lay out. This is the destination we're going. Get on board and bring your supply so we can help people live in victory, cause people to walk in health, cause people to walk in prosperity, cause people to walk in love, and be victorious in every area of your life. If you want to get on that plane, welcome aboard. Hallelujah. <laughs> Let's stand.